secrets. Now, if you have your Bible, if you could open to the book of Hebrews. So as we jump in uh, to God's Word um, this, this morning, let me just give you a quick picture of the story of here. There's a kingdom, and, uh, and the kingdom is, is up on a hill, and there's this massive wall around the kingdom, and the villages and the countryside are being pillaged by the enemy all around. And uh, as the villages are being pillaged, so people are running to this kingdom, the city kingdom for protection. They come to the gate and they knock on the gate and they ask, let me in. And, uh, and the gates are opened and they come inside. As they come inside, they're panting heavily and they're kind of like, I'm safe inside here. And they can, you can still hear the noise happening outside. So Jesus explains that this faith community called church is like a kingdom. And he says, in the same way, we come into this kingdom through these gates. There's a way to come in. The way in is through repentance and belief and to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the way in. But often we come in and we stay at the gate when it gets closed behind us. And that's not the goal of the king of the kingdom. The goal of the king is, I want everyone who comes in to become responsible citizens of the kingdom. I want everyone who comes in to learn to find where his home is in the kingdom. I want everyone in this kingdom to know what part and what gifts he's got to use them and to, to use them for the glory of the kingdom so that anybody else who needs to come in can be well looked after and can be well served. So he wants you to come in so that, he can, so that you can be of service in the kingdom and, and that you can grow and become a responsible member of, of the kingdom. But for many of us, we're camping at the gate. We never grow to that point. And so we never get to the place where we can stand on the city walls and look out and shout down, open the gates, there's someone else coming in. Or send out, send out the paramedics because this one's really damaged. Or, or I've got some food to help this person because they've come in without anything. Or I've got a bed for this one to stay. So we, we're not able to do that because we still camp at the gate. And so we struggle to grow or sometimes we just find ourselves in a place where we've stalled or where we've, we've just hit a space of spiritual dryness or barrenness or just being lethargic for the faith. That our fear of the future will sometimes erode our affections for God. Or perhaps it's the experience in corporate worship is just empty while everybody else was singing and people are praying out aloud. You're going, man, can this just end? It just seems empty for me. Nice music, that's great. But man, can it just end? When people talk about the things of God and they talk about God's work of healing and provision, you're unimpressed. It doesn't do anything for you anymore. Your patterns of repentance fade and you become used to old habits of sin and bad attitudes. The preaching of God's word becomes boring, not because the preacher is boring, but just because God's word has become boring Praise and worship becomes a burden. And when people give you spiritual advice to try to help you, that advice seems to land on cynical ears. And when you go to Facebook and you see all the Christian articles that people are posting and you push past the guilt and you decide to read one of them, you find that the guilt just adds up more and more and more. And so we find ourselves often in these places where there's no vitality and there's no maturity. We find ourselves in places that you might describe as a wilderness or a desert or a place of barrenness or drought. And so the question we want to have a look at today is how do we move past that? How do we get out of that? 
And so if you've got your Bibles, we'll start in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11 to 14. And then we'll go straight from there from verse 1 of chapter 6 into verse 3. About this, we have much to say, says the writer. And it is hard to explain why, since you have become dull of hearing. It's hard for us to explain, not because it's complicated. It's hard to explain because you're dull of hearing. Why are you dull of hearing? For by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. In other words, what I need to give you is solid food. You should be able to receive it, but you can't. The reason why you can't is you're still stuck on milk. You're still stuck at the gate. I want to share vision of the city, but I can't because you're still stuck at the gate. Solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The way to maturity involves this constant practice. As you practice it over and over and over again, in this case it's specifically talking about the ability to distinguish between right and wrong, good and evil. Therefore, because of this, the writer says, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ He's not saying that the doctrine and the teachings of Jesus is not important. That's not what he's saying. In fact, this is very important because the way in is through Christ. But remember that the goal isn't to only camp around that. There's so much more in the kingdom. It's all because of Jesus. It's all I'm in because I've repented of my sin. I've put my trust in Christ who died for me. So I trust his sacrifice, not mine, to save me. It's all got to do with that. But he says, man, I want you to, there's there's, there's other stuff in the kingdom as well. So I don't want you to camp around this over here. I want you to go on to maturity. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Now he's going on to talk about what these uh, uh, elementary teachings are. Faith towards God and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands and the resurrection from the dead and eternal judgment. I'm like, that's elementary stuff? The laying on of hands and the raising of the dead? That's, I mean, how many of you just did that this week? Just wanna, anyone, just, anyone laying on of hands this week? Anyone raising the dead this week? This is like elementary stuff. He's like, this is the basic stuff. And this we will do if God permits. In other words... And I'm going to teach, give you some new stuff. I'm going to, I want to bring you to maturity if God permits. Listen to what else God's word says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 20. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil. But in your thinking, be mature. Be mature. 1 Peter 2 verses 1 to 3. So put away all malice, all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Not grow up and earn your salvation. Grow up into salvation. Grow up into this kingdom. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Or here's one of my ultimate favorites, Ephesians 4 and verses 11 through to verse 14. And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for work of ministry. The reason why God gave us, the reason why God gave us as a church, those who serve 
full-time, who don't have to engage in secular employment, who get paid to do the ministry of the Word. The reason why God gave us that is so that we can equip you for works of service. Instead, we sometimes slip it around and go, oh no, you know what, it's the pastor who has to visit. It's the pastor who has to preach all the time. The pastor must do the communion. The pastor must baptize. The pastor needs to look after the buildings. Hey, no, no, the pastor is not the one who does all the evangelism and all the missions and everything else. That's part of my personal life with Christ. But actually, my role is to equip you and the person next to you to do that. He says this, until. Why? So why to equip for good works? Until we all attain the unity of the faith. Us being united as a church has something to do with our maturity, friends. It has something to do with us being equipped for service the unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, may by human cunning and the craftiness, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Friends, as we have a look at these scriptures and unpack what it means to move on into maturity and spiritual vitality, we see here that spiritual vitality and maturity is God's desire. It is God's desire that you grow into vitality and maturity, not hang out and stay immature and stay as a child in the faith. He wants you to grow. Vitality and maturity is also the natural order of things. I want you to think about it. Do you remember when you were a baby crawling on the ground? Do you remember that time? Yeah, and for most of us, there's a time where we learned how to walk. There, do you remember when you first picked up a ball and you were told to throw it and you didn't have a clue? Do you remember that time? Uh, many of us, you're like, what? Oh, I can't remember that time. You're right, you can't remember that time. But most of us know how to throw a ball because you've matured in your ball skills. It's the natural order of things. That's how things go. You plant a seed. It grows as a seedling. It grows into a tree. It bears fruit. It's the natural order of things to grow and to mature. And God wants us in a place of vitality and maturity. Here's the amazing thing is that as we move into a place of spiritual vitality and maturity, we become compelling Christ followers and our church becomes a compelling place. That people on the outside are attracted to this kingdom city because they see that inside there's health and vitality inside. And outside where the enemy is at work and people are being plundered, they don't want to be there anymore. They want to be inside that city over there. And they come to the gate and go, would you open up and let me in so that I can be in this kingdom and be submitted to this king also? So what do we do when we find ourselves in this place where we just find completely, uh, we find ourselves uh, lethargic for the things of the faith. Find that life has got so busy that we think about faith and Christ five minutes before we walk in the building and we forget about the things of faith and Christ five minutes before we leave the building. <laughs> the reality of life is that we're just so incredibly busy that there's very little time for anything, let alone the compartmentalized faith that we've been trained to have. And so I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks some ways that we can, you can fan into flame vitality and move towards maturity in the faith. It was a study that was done with three, about 300,000, more than 300,000 believers from various denominations across the globe. And they found that there were some practices. There were four practices 
that move us into spiritual vitality and maturity. And these are those four practices, scripture reading, prayer, relationships, and generosity or giving. These, were, these are four practices that if we practice these things, they become catalysts for vitality. Vitality in your Christian walk with Christ, understanding who he is, and then bringing us into maturity. So today we want to unpack one of them, and that's the one of Scripture. And let me say this, that as we unpack this, is that Richard Foster writes in his book, A Celebration of Discipline, which is a book that he writes about um, the disciplines of believers over the centuries. He includes things like solitude and serving and fasting and praying and the, art, the, the discipline of thanksgiving and confession and corporate guidance. Puts these, he writes about these, he says this, that the disciplines in themselves don't do the work. The discipline of fasting does not necessarily make you mature in Christ, but what it does is it acts like the surgeon's table. It puts you in a place where the surgeon can operate on your body or where God can work in your soul. So what we're talking about today is practices, and we want to be really practical. And so I'm hoping to be super practical when I share this with you, when we have a look at God's Word. I don't want to just say, oh, God's Word, you must read it. Pray, you must pray. Relationships, you must relate. Giving, you better give. Amen. But I'd really like us to be a little bit more practical when it comes to this. So let's take a look at what God's Word says, firstly, about Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 10 through to verse 11, it says this. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Just straight up, have a look at this first picture of the water cycle. All right, just there it is. Rain comes down, goes back up again. There it is, first picture of the water cycle. Uh, second one is this, is God says, hey, my word, as it goes out, it doesn't come back to me empty, but it goes out, it settles, it grows, it bears fruit, and then it comes back to me. That's what my word does. As water comes down and waters and brings fruit, so my word does the same thing. And so God's word is powerful, the writer of Hebrews says in, in chapter 4 and, and verse, uh, verse 12, just before where we read earlier, it says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That God's word is living and active. And when God's word is spoken or read or preached or sung, it goes out, it settles in your soul, and it begins to do God's work right there. And so when we read God's word and spend time in God's word, it's not because I have to because if I don't do it, I'm going to be in big trouble with God or I have to because I'm now getting more information and the more information I get, the more intellectual I'll be. No, the more I spend time in God's word, the more I open my life and lay it bare before God and say, God, would you come and do something in my life? The writer of Psalm, Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, as I store up God's word in my heart, not in my head, in my head it's intellectual information, in my heart it becomes revelation. As I store that up in my heart, that I might not sin against God, as I find myself in tough situations, 
as I find myself needing to make really difficult decisions, as I find myself surrounded by those who would mock me for my faith and who would encourage me to do things that would dishonor God, God starts to, by His Spirit, remind me of what I've been spending time in in the Scriptures. And the Scripture will come to mind that I didn't even know it was there. Where did it come from? It came from that time where I read God's Word when I was 14 and a half years old. I didn't remember it, but God's Word is living and active, and it does what God wants it to do. So how do we practice this of God's Word? Well, here we go. Here's a couple. One is read it. <laughs> Clearly, guys. I mean, it's like super obvious. Read it. I can't get away from that. You need to read God's Word. And you might have the electronic versions, but I just want you to know the paper version is still good. All right? It is still good. But, but I also want to say that we do live in the 21st century. And so for those of you who are privileged to travel, uh, you know, and I say privileged because I live three kilometers away. So when I leave home and come to work, I'm still thinking home when I get here. And when I leave here to go home, I'm still thinking work when I get there. But if you have a little bit further to, tra to travel to get home, sometimes you can detox from work. Does that make sense? On the way home. Here's an idea. Why don't you get the MP3 version of the Bible and listen to God's word while you're traveling? He has a way just to get more of God's word in. If you're on an airplane, it's just to, to get it on your smartphone and listen to it in flight mode and, uh, and listen to God's word as you're traveling. Just allow God's word to come and settle in and, and listen to God's word. It's so easy. Get hold of your version of the Bible. It's the, the, the most well-known Bible app. And some of the versions of the Bible, you can listen to them. You don't, you don't have to just read them, but you can listen to them. So read God's Word. Spend time reading it. And, and that means this. Is as you read it, here's a way to do it. Read it systematically. In other words, this is a bad way to read the Bible. Monday morning. All right. Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I will be king. All right. I think I need to have a conversation with my boss today. I will be king. All right? And then that one didn't really work out for you. So the next day you come, you're like Tuesday morning. Okay. On the 24th day of the ninth month. Right. So now we're on the 22nd day of April. I've got to hang into this job until the 24th day of September. I don't like that one. Let me go for another one. All right. No, that's not how you spend time in God's word. Systematically work your way through God's word. And for you, that might be start in Genesis and work your way through to Revelation. For you, it might be start in Matthew, work to Revelation. Maybe it's start at the beginning of Psalms and work your way through. If you've been out of God's Word for a long time, here's a good way to get back in. Go to Psalms, start in chapter 1, verse 1, and systematically work your way through it. But take bite-sized chunks. Like it's really bad to start with like lamentations, you know, or the book of Numbers. You know, just start there. And it's just number after number after number after number. And you're like, I'm so being ministered to. Like if you're an accountant, I get that. But for most people, it's not really going to work that way. They're going to struggle as they work through that. So we just, you start systematically reading bite-sized chunks. And as you do, these are the questions you want to ask yourself. If you're taking notes, write down these questions. Number one, what does this mean as I read it? What does it mean? Number two, what verse jumps out at me? So meaning, verse, what verse jumps out at me? And as that verse jumps out at you, ask yourself this question, why? Why is this verse jumping out at me? Why is it that suddenly every verse that I'm reading on repentance is jumping out at me? Well, maybe it's because you've been stealing from your boss. I don't know. But ask yourself, why is that verse jumping out at me? Is there a sin I need to confess or is there a habit I need to 
break or an attitude I need to bring before God and say, God, would you forgive me on this? Because I'm laying myself before him. Is there something I'm learning about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Is there something I'm learning about church and the world? So I'm asking these questions as I'm spending time in God's word. And then this is the, this is the most important question. If you forget everything else, he has the most important question to come away from. When you're reading God's word, he has the most important one. What do I have to do in response to what I have just read? Because if you don't have a to-do, all you've done is just gather information. That's all you've done. Information without application is just knowledge. But information with application, all right, I didn't plan this, but it brings revelation. It's God just revealed stuff to me, and now I'm putting it into, into practice. And that's what biblical meditating on God's word is all about. Reading it, thinking about it in order to apply it. So how do I apply this? And put that into practice. And then keep a written record. Write down your thoughts on that one. Which leads us into number two, which is write it. Write out God's word. The practice I've been working with for a little bit is, is taking God's word and actually writing it. So just... Take, take the verse that, that sticks out at you and write it out. Or write the whole chapter out. Or st write out a whole book in the Bible. It's amazing what you find as you start to unpack that. You know, we tell our kids, if you want to study, you have to write it out. Well, let's study God's Word and write it out. I mean, it's that simple. If it works for them in history, it'll work for you in your walk of faith. I found that there was a spin-off. It started out as this kind of discipline of doing it, and there was a spin-off of every time I approached it, just an excitement and a new vitality to God's Word again. Man, you might just want to write out one verse, two verses, one section, ten verses, whatever time you've got. But just write out one or two verses at a time. Number three, reflect on it. Get a journal and start to write out what God is saying to you through His Word. If you've been a Christian for a very long time, um, perhaps you're like me and you, you write in your Bible. Right? So how many people write in the Bible? Quick show of hands. Right, quickly, put on your hand. How many of you think that those people who put up their hands are sinning because they wrote in the Bible? <laughs> okay, so you can write in the Bible. You can underline in the Bible. Um, I got a Bible when I graduated from seminary in 1999, and I've been writing in it since. And, uh, and, and I wanted to transition into a new version, into the English Standard Version from the New International Version of the Bible. The problem is I've written so much in it that, that I don't really want to move into a new version of the Bible. And I bought this Bible about two, two or three years ago, and I've been struggling to move across because the other one is so meaningful. So I just realized, man, I wish I could have a, another version of this one with all the stuff written in it. And I thought, well, why don't I do that? So I started an exercise that took me, I mean, I'm still doing it, starting Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, old Bible, new Bible. And underline every single scripture, write every single note, write down everything God said, every sermon note I've ever written in this Bible, and write it over into the new Bible. I know my kids are not going to fight about my Bible anymore when I die, because there'll be two of them, and uh, there's two kids. Um, but you know how amazing it is to, where are you now, 18 years later, to read through what God told you 18 years ago to read through the scriptures that God gave me when he called me to Sterling, to read through the scriptures that God gave me when, when the, the elders of the church said, hey, Matt, how about leading the team? To read through the scriptures when the doctor told us that there was no pregnancy and Anthea was going to have to have a DNC and uh, terminate what is there 
And to see the scripture where God said, you have been my God from birth and you have been my God from my mother's breast and feel the, God, feel the Lord say, it is going to be okay and, uh, and this child is going to be okay. And the next day to walk into the doctor's office, he can't find anything and then suddenly at the last minute he goes, hey, what's that? That's Hannah. To go through that and just, it just again reminds you of what God has been saying to you for years and years and years. Reflect on it. Last two, discuss it with a friend, a mentor, or a small group. Find someone you can discuss it with. Do you know that 75% of people who start a gym routine, who start training every single day, watch the kilos, strip off them, uh, get into good training, get fit, get strong. Do you know 75% of those people quit training because they don't have a partner? Did, did you know that? I mean, that's the drop-off rate. The 25% who carry on, they all have partners. Friends. This is what we want to do. We want to be strong in our faith. But we're not meant to do this by ourselves. We're meant to do this in community with others. Last one, study it. Study a book. Just take one book. As I said, start out in Psalms. Just take one book. Or take a topic. If you've got a Bible with an index at the back, look up every single scripture on grace. And just read those scriptures on grace. Or look up every single scripture on mercy and read those. Or look up every scripture on community or church or God's love or Jesus or sacrifice. And, and read what does it say and just read those scriptures. And allow God to, to just start something fresh in you again. I told you it's going to be practical. I hope that this is practical for us. When you come to church... A good way to do this is to bring a journal with you, bring your Bible with you, so that as the sermon is being preached, you can take notes and revisit them during the week. So perhaps Monday, your quiet time on Monday, or your time with God on Monday is, I'm going to look through the verses that were spoken about yesterday in church. You've got a phone, take a photo of them on the screen. I, mean, I know you're doing it already. I, I thought you guys were taking photos of me. Every time you put it up, I'd smile. But actually, I realize you're taking photos of the screen. Guys, we want to grow to maturity. We want to grow in, in vitality in our faith, and we want to grow to maturity. God's Word says this, that He is not finished with you yet. And He promised He will bring to completion what He has started. But we need to be intentional and intentionally put ourselves in a place where God can do that. So now let's bow our heads and pray. As we wrap up this morning, I want you to apply. I want you to be intentionally uh, thinking about application. So what is the thing that God has been saying to you? Maybe he's been just rekindling your love for God's word. Maybe he's been challenging you about a habit, a sin, an attitude. Maybe he's, been, uh, he's given you new ideas to spend time in God's word. Maybe he's done that. Maybe he's reminded you of the Bible app where you've got God's word uh, audibly that you can listen to. I want to ask you to respond to God this morning. Just go, God, here's the thing. This is what you've told me. This is how I'm responding. I want to confess that sin. I want to ask you to help me with this new idea. Tonight before the night's over, today before the, the day's over, God, I just want to spend you know, just a couple of minutes reading your word again. Just reading your word. That's all. God, would you speak to me when that happens? I want to pray for you if you've responded to God. I want to ask you if, you'd, if you're sitting on 
on the right-hand side of the building, if you would just lift up your hand. I just want to know who I'm praying for. You're not responding to me. It's just you're kind of formalizing it before God going, hey, God, yep, uh, you know, this is me. Thank you. You spoke to me. I'm in. Uh, so thanks. I see your hands. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you're in the middle, on the right-hand side in the middle, you slip up your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Great. On the left-hand side in the middle. Thanks in the far left-hand side of the building. Great. Thanks, guys. Father, for those who raised their hands, I just want to pray in Jesus' name that you'd give them a fresh new love for your word. And as they spend time in your word, that you would start to transform their spirits. Uh, for those, Lord, who've been uh, finding themselves in a place of barrenness and dryness, God, would you bring vitality and maturity in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask you that you would bring people across their paths who are also in love with your word, that you'd give them creative ways to spend time in your word as well. Lord, I ask you this in Jesus' name for your glory. And those who agreed said amen. Amen. amen.